the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Sadly, we hear about this way too often inside of the church. Freedom of the will. There is so much talk about the fact that God is a gentleman and he'll never violate your will. You better hope and pray he does. Your life depends on it. Hi there, and welcome to today's broadcast of Way of Grace. As we begin today's program, we begin a series on the myth of man's free will. Just exactly what does the Bible say about our will? Is it really free? If so, what parts are free? What isn't? And what does God really say about this matter? We invite you to join us this week as we explore the myth that man's will is free. With today's broadcast from Grace Bible Church in Hayward, here's Pastor Jessica Stand and Way of Grace. Man's free will. The title of our study is The Myth That Man's Will is Free to Do Anything He Wants. It's not biblical. Man's the myth that man's will is free to do anything that he wants is not biblical. If you take a proposition like that, and that's a lengthy proposition, the myth that man's will is free to do anything that he wants is not biblical. You have to know that there are a number of parts there that have to be taken apart. There's nothing simple. This is not a yes or no answer. So for Christians, unfortunately, they try to respond to complex subjects with a yes or a no. And in doing so, you go to one extreme or the other and you, we can fail to actually get the truth on it. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping we can make some progress on that tonight, particularly with some of our newer people who, um, who actually need to know how to handle the subject. Um, the assumption in our world is that man's will is free to choose to do good or evil, right or wrong, whenever he or she wants to. That is the assumption basically held out by almost anyone who hasn't even done a a dictionary search of the term will or volition and yet are ready to argue uh, the assertion that they know what it means to have a free will. But we're going to look into that in a moment. So join me in prayer and let's see if our hearts can be sanctified into the reality that Christ will show us. Amen. Amen. Look with me in Matthew chapter 7. I'm going to start at verse 31. It's going to be a discourse. I'm going to frame our subject on a discourse that Christ is about to give us where he's going to do what really the Lord Jesus is almost the only one in the Bible that does this. And it has to be done. And that is somebody actually has to know human nature. Somebody has to know the inner workings of man. Somebody has to know how man thinks and and how he acts, what his bents are, 
what his capacity for um, doing is. Without us knowing these kinds of things, we are in a total mystery as to uh, the behavior of human beings and their potential. This would be the same thing with God. The reason why we took up the study on God is to know who God is, is eternal life. To know ourselves also is requisite to eternal life because if we don't know who God is, we can't know who we are. But if we don't know who we are, we can misrepresent ourselves to people. Would that not make some sense? All right. So what happens a lot throughout the gospel narrative is that Jesus is actually exposing the nature of mankind in the behavior of the people of Israel as they engage him. So this is what he's about to do right now in a remarkable scenario where they are condemning Jesus as being uh, possessed by Beelzebub or the devil and that the works that he is doing really are not of God. And what Jesus is about to warn them about is them being on the verge of blaspheming the Holy Spirit. All right, he's about to warn them, you are on the brink of damning yourself permanently by the way you are thinking. Now, this is really a good premise because uh, the idea of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is the idea that God will give you and give people so much evidence of the reality of his presence and his purpose in their life that they would be without excuse if they had to stand before God on the last day. And yet, in spite of all that evidence, they still push up against that evidence to reject it. Now, is that not an insight into the nature and character of man? I don't know what is. So I premise it that way so that as you hear what you have heard so commonly spoken, uh, now you'll have a context under it. I want you to also view it this way. You're going to be dealing with two kinds of men. The rulers represent one kind of man. And Jesus himself represents another kind of man. And the juxtaposition of these two men are going to be the framework in the which we understand the difference between uh, the will of man and the will of God. So we read over in verse 30, uh, 31, these words, wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, shall not be forgiven unto men. Verse 32. And whosoever speaketh the word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever shall speak against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Now, those are very startling warnings, are they not? Right. This is not a common kind of indictment by Christ. He doesn't go around warning about blasphemy of the spirit, but he's doing it here. In other words, the, the, the leaders now have pushed Jesus to the brink. And he's saying, listen, you guys, you are right there. You are about to miss any hope for glory by your your impenitency, by your hardness of heart, by your insistence that you are right and I'm wrong. He's letting them know. And now he's getting ready to explain to his disciples, which would be us if we call ourselves Christians, what is actually going on in a metaphor. Now watch what he says. He says in verse 33, either make the tree good and his fruit good 
or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by its what? So what he does there is he creates a contrast between the uh, core or source and, and the outcome or what we might call the fruit. Now he's talking about the core being the tree and its source and the outcome, the fruit being the result of being connected to this tree and this tree is either what? Good or evil. The word evil can also mean bad. He's giving here a binary. What he's saying is if you have a bad tree, it's going to bring forth bad fruit. If you have a good tree, it's going to bring forth good fruit. That's your binary here. The, the statement is really a divine expression of decree stating how things will be according to God when they're all worked out. It's a kind of divine decree. Let the tree be good or let the tree be bad. Let everybody know that either we are working with a good tree or we are working with a bad tree. But the only way you're going to know that is by it. That's right. And then he does this over in verse 34. Uh, verse 34. Oh, generation of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth what? So now he's speaking to that audience. And what kind of tree is he calling it? An evil tree. Isn't that what he's doing? Is he now identifying that people to whom he's speaking as not being the good tree bringing forth good fruit, but the evil tree bringing forth bad fruit? Does that make some sense? So he's teaching. He's warned them about blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. He's now warning them about the nature of trees. You only know a tree by its fruit. You cannot guess a tree by assumption, by assertion, by imagination. You can only know it by its fruit. And what that teaches you is the behavior and conduct of people is rooted in their nature. The behavior and conduct of people is rooted in their nature. And when you and I understand that, we can understand the cause for people's behavior. Now, this is extremely important. I, I love what Christ is doing here. He says, for out of the abundance of the heart doth the mouth speak. Now, he's also giving another core or source here. He's calling it the heart, isn't he? The heart now is another core or source, and out of that heart, heart is the fruit of words. The fruit of words. What is he calling the words that they're speaking? He's calling them for out of uh, old generation of vipers. How can you, being evil, speak good things? So he's making a parallelism, and I'm trying to help you get the ground of this between good things and bad things, between trees that bear good fruit and trees that bear bad fruit between a heart that's evil and a heart that's good. And the only way we know it is by its fruits. That's how Jesus is laying out the argument. Now, really contextually, this is what Jesus does with this group of people all the time. 
Every time he had to deal with being confronted by the Pharisees is what he was really saying was, you guys are a group of evil men. And you are demonstrating that you are evil by the way you talk. You are demonstrating that you're evil by the fruit that's coming out of your life. And I am actually the opposite of you. So you got this one good man, and we know that's Jesus. And Jesus over against this group of rulers actually demonstrates the opposite. He bears good fruit. He actually says the right things. And he produces good in the community that's about him. What Jesus is helping us to get at is what we call source. Source and evidence that actually determines what people are by nature. So Matthew chapter uh, 12, verse 35, I want to go to 37, and then I'm going to kind of pick up my argument in, in John chapter 8. Now here it is. This is what he's getting ready to sum up. I love this. Here it is. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. There it is. You got that one category. Good man, good heart, good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. So you got another binary. Good men, evil men. This is not hard. This is basic uh, uh, elementary discourse. This is not hard to follow Christ. And he's making this clear to us. Verse 36, mark this now. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. Now he raises the level of man's speech to that where it will be accountable on the last day, even our very words. The Lord Jesus is tough, is he not? And and what he is, is he's pointed enough to help you and I understand that how we talk is not a small matter because our talk is connected to our heart and our heart is connected to our nature. And you can't separate what comes out of your mouth from what comes out of your heart. And you can't separate what comes out of your heart from that which proceeds from your nature. This is what he's teaching us. Tree representing nature. Either we are good or we are evil. This is the dichotomy that he's laying out. We're trapped by that paradigm. He's saying that on the last day, we got to give an answer for our words, don't we? All right. In a really simple way, then we could say this. If you and I are living all of our lives buying into lies and reframing our words in ways that don't correspond with truth and living basically falsehood, we might get away with that down here. But in judgment day, we would have to answer for that. Does that make sense? Right. So it's important that you know what Jesus is teaching here is you rulers, you might get away with appearing to bear good fruit with people who are not discerning you. But on the last day, you're going to have to answer for that. So I'm drilling this home so I can massage your heart around something that I, I stated earlier that becomes a real problem if Christians are not discerning. And that would be this, the false assumption that man by nature is basically good. 
I need you to take that thought in because this is where the idea of the assumption that your will is free to do anything that it wants to comes from. The reason you will hear people quickly running to the notion, I have a free will, I can choose to do this or choose to do that, is because they are under the assumption that they are not a bad tree that can only produce bad fruit that will only come out in bad deeds. They are under the assumption they are a good tree that bears good fruit that produces it by right choices. And what you and I know, but we're going to reaffirm tonight is Jesus will teach us that's not true of anyone but himself. Are you guys following this? And therefore, what I, what I want you to note is when you think about a, a kind of common card that almost everyone that is not discerning plays, well, I have the freedom to do or not do whatever I want to do is basically a false premise that is never affirmed by Scripture. All right. And now all we need to do is examine that premise in light of Christ's teaching around mankind and we can discern it more fully. So let's see. Verse 37 will tell us Matthew 12, 37 will tell us for by their words, you shall be justified and by your words, you shall be what? All right. So what if it's not true? What if it's not true that you don't have a free will? that can do anything that it wants to. Remember, our title is a little bit involved. It's not just the myth that man's will is free. I didn't say that. Are you guys following me? You got to be able to think clearly. The myth that man's will is free. I didn't say that. Man's will is free in a kind of sense. The myth that man's will is free To do anything is unbiblical. Are you following me? And that makes all the difference in the world. All right. And it's time for us to drill down into what we would call the myth of freedom of the will. And again, I want you to write down the questions because once I'm done with the exercise, I want us to go into Q&A because you really need to know how to handle this. This is one of the axioms that you cannot avoid when you're dealing with unsaved people, when you're dealing with other religious folk. Almost everybody touts the assertion that they have a free will. Is that not true? Right. And and nobody will bring up any ancient dictionary to actually lay out any kind of thesaurus or any kind of encyclopedic or any kind of definition of free will that we could buy as substantiating that set of assumptions. So now what I want you to do is go with me in your Bible to John chapter eight, verse thirty. uh, four. We're going to read verses thirty four through forty four. And I want you to listen to Jesus. Do it again. I want you to listen to Jesus do it again. He's dealing with the same group of people, by the way. These are the rulers. The rulers really had a problem with Jesus, did they not? And, 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 and as much as they wished they could have gotten rid of him sooner, they couldn't. And every time they challenged him publicly, he exposed them for the very things we're talking about now, and that is being a corrupt tree, an evil tree, bringing forth bad fruit. Now he's going to get into the nature of human beings. He's going to get into our nature. 
And this is going to also help you a little bit around terms that you also know as Christians that we don't always get a full grip on as well. And that's this, what it means to be a sinner. You will hear people using terms like, I am a sinner in the Christian church. And they have not fully investigated what that means. What does it mean to be a sinner? At what level are you a sinner? To what extent has sin impacted your being? The way you think. The way you act. What does it mean biblically to be a sinner? Jesus answered in John chapter 8, 34. Verily, verily, I say unto you. Whosoever committed sin is the what of sin. All right. So now I don't know about you, but back when I was 17 years old and I read this verse, I said, I got a problem. (laughs) See, because I was innocent and I had just come to a knowledge of Christ at the basic level of crisis and conviction and conversion. And I wasn't arguing with God. So the scriptures were a brand new revelation to me that I immediately had viewed as wisdom. So it was right. And and so it wasn't hard for me to agree with it, even if I didn't understand it, nor didn't like it. Who cares whether I understood it or liked it if it was the truth? So the thing that dawned on me immediately is that Sin leads to bondage. Is that what it's saying? Sin is bondage. He says, verily I say unto you, whosoever committed sin is the slave. That's the word I want you to get. Slave. Now, if you're a slave, and this is the term that we're going to drive all the way through the New Testament, because Jesus is teaching us to do this. If you're a slave... Here's the one thing you know as a slave. And this is what humanity fails to recognize at large. A slave knows that it is not absolutely free. That's what a slave knows. A slave knows. It cannot run around telling people I'm free to do absolutely whatsoever I want to do. If people are watching a person who is owned by a master and is shackled to that master and controlled by that master and stamped on his forehead or his right hand or his back thigh, what have you, as being owned by that master. And that person goes around saying, I can go here and I can go there and I can do this and I can do that. I can say whatever I want to. I'm free to do whatever I want to. And then when the master says, come here, boy, he takes off running. Then, you know, he is practicing postmodern, irrational fantasy. Am I making some sense? Right. This is the analogy that corresponds with human beings today. Human beings are pretending they are free when in fact, if you watch them, they are slaves. Because all of us by nature as sinners are slaves to Sin. Does that make some sense? 
So right now, you and I are fairly safe. We're walking in lockstep with the master. We're not on the side of the bad man, are we? We got two men here we're looking at, right? The bad men called the Pharisees and the good men called Jesus. Right now, I'm in agreement with Jesus. Are you? Yeah. Right. It's important to get this, okay? Because this is dealing with the doctrine of man's free will. Jesus says in verse 35, we're going to work our way through verse uh, 44, because he's now indicting those who practice sin as being slaves of sin. So now notice what he's doing here. He's saying that the practice of sinning is attached to the bondage of sin. Well, you are listening to Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. Closing out our time together today, we invite you to reach out to us. Let us know how the program encourages you in your walk with Christ. Questions, comments, prayer requests are always welcome. You can either write to us, give us a call, or stop by our website and drop us an email. Now, the best place to go, of course, is the website. Not only will you be able to write to us via email, you'll be able to get more information about who we are, what we believe, worship times, how to get here grace-bible.com is our website. Again, that's grace-bible.com. If you wish to give us a call, the number is 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. If you're writing to us, our address is 22768 Main Street. That's 22768 Main Street here in Hayward, the zip code, 94541. That's 22768 Main Street, Hayward, California, 94541. One final note as we close out our time today, this program is listener-supported. If you wish to partner with us, we would be more than grateful. This broadcast airs throughout the Bay Area, as well as online, impacting thousands for the sake of Christ. And that is our hope and our goal. If you'd like to partner with us along those lines, feel free to write or give us a call. No gift is too large, no gift too small, whether a one-time gift or a monthly support. You're more than welcome to reach out. We would love to partner with you as we minister the gospel of Jesus to the Bay Area and the World Wide Web. Thank you for spending time with us today. Until next time, may Christ be your way of grace. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.